This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, a brand new week. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the WBBM Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart, sitting in for Cisco Cotto. It's the Noon Business Hour, presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. Oil prices are on the rise, with Texas crude hitting $70 a barrel for the first time in almost three years. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, the week ahead will include a more analysis of a global tax deal, plus a key reading of inflation. We're joined by Greg McBride. Chief Financial Analyst, Bankrate.com, based in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. Greg, thanks for joining us today. Uh, Before we talk about that uh, G7 uh, minimum global tax rate, let's talk about uh, the the report that everyone's going to be looking at, and that's on uh, Thursday, the Consumer Price Index. Uh, We'll see if this inflation is merely transitory, a a result of the economy opening up, or if uh, maybe there's some legs here. Well, you're right, Rob. Uh, happy Monday to you. And, and yeah, that's the big economic release of the week, uh, the Consumer Price Index on Thursday. Inflation, very much the economic watchword uh, at this point. Uh, you know, We're not going to get a, an answer to the, you know, is it baked in or is this just temporary inflation uh, for a few months? But what I would expect we're going to see this month, another outsized increase because of the year-over-year comparison. Of course, this time last year, price levels were falling. Uh, but there are some temporary factors at play. So you're, we're not going to see a 10% jump in used car prices like we did in, in April. So there's, there's definitely a lot of moving parts. Inflation, though, top of the list in terms of not only worries for investors, but also economic metrics being watched uh, by investors in the Fed alike. Why does Wall Street fear that Group of Seven agreement backing a global minimum corporation tax rate of at least 15 percent? This is merely advisory, and this is one of those things that you want to say, uh, uh, between this agreement and $2.50, you can get get yourself a cup of coffee, because uh, there's a lot more that needs to be done before this becomes a reality worldwide. Yeah, it's the old buy the rumor, sell the news in the sense that, uh, you know, investors tend to sell first and ask questions later. Uh, whenever they're faced with uncertainty, that uncertainty being, you know, whether it's higher inflation, higher taxes, uh, you know, slower economic growth, you name it, uh, you do tend to see an overreaction in markets just on the prospect uh, of, of something coming down the pike. You know, a lot of that driven, of course, by uh, short term and high frequency traders. Now, what does this represent, though, the fact that uh, that the United States is able to assert itself once again in the G7 and it managed to get these uh, other major economies to go along with it? I mean, what kind of message does that send? Well, I, I think you've got a lot of similarities, of course, among uh, the various uh, members of the, the G7. Uh, you know, they've all uh, had to put out significant stimulus to get their economies revved up again after the pandemic. And now it's a matter of finding a way to pay for it and, you know, kind of banding together for this uh, minimum tax. I think one way 
to you know assure that you know there's there's a revenue stream uh, you know, and that the the, the offshoring or uh, you know uh, moving moving headquarters overseas to avoid taxes that that becomes less of an issue at a time when so many of these co- countries are are looking for increased tax revenue. Thanks for joining us this afternoon, Greg Bride, uh, Greg McBride, Chief Financial Analyst, Bankrate.com at Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. Coming up, tracking a rise in the price of oil. Loaning useful information each weekday. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Energy prices are on the rebound as economies begin to recover from the pandemic. We welcome in Phil Flynn, Senior Market Analyst with the Price Group and Fox Business News contributor based in Chicago. Phil, thank you for joining us this afternoon. What a difference a year makes in terms of the price of oil. Uh, now trading in Texas at uh, $70 a barrel. A year ago, we had that price war between Saudi Arabia and Russia, and then just the collapse in global demand because everybody had to shelter inside because of the pandemic. And uh, now the oil markets are rocking and rolling once again. Uh, is $70 a top or is it poised to go even higher? I think it's poised to go even higher. I mean, there's no doubt that once we hit that $70 a barrel area, a lot of people are saying we could get there. We did, and there was some profit taking. But I think if you look at the big picture and what we've seen over the last year is that we've seen an underinvestment in the oil sector, and we're seeing demand come back. And I think a lot of people are talking about the depth of the internal combustion engine without realizing that the world's going to need a lot of oil and gas in the next 10 to 25 years. The last time the uh, U.S. benchmark oil contract was traded above $70 a barrel was October of 2018, and that was a long time ago. And it also sounds like uh, maybe the uh, the oil markets have finally absorbed the fracking boom, or is that something that's starting to, uh, to, to run out of steam or taper off a little bit? Well, I think what it is is that we have been telling the people in America that we don't want to invest in, in oil and gas anymore. You know, it's partly because of the Biden administration basically saying that we're going to make, you know, basically oil uh, rare and, and they're going to phase out of it. So there's a lot more regulations on the U.S. fracker. Right now, there's a ban. You can't even drill on federal lands right now. They make it very difficult to get permits. And we're seeing a pullback from the banks that want to be looked at as pro climate change, that they were trying to reduce their carbon footprint. So a lot of banks won't lend money to these oil producers. You know, having said that, you know, at the same time, these companies in the past raised production, uh, you know, prices went back down and they lost money. So it's they're being a lot more disciplined. So a combination of factors uh, but, you know, the thing is, is that the demand for oil is recovering. In the past, it was U.S. producers that met that demand. Now it's being met by OPEC and Russia. Now, when it comes to uh, on the demand side in, in, in America, um, is consumption or will consumption taper off a little bit as people's travel or uh, commuting habits return? Now you have a lot of people driving. What happens when all those people go back to the train? I think that we're going to see demand get back to all-time highs, and I think it's going to get there a lot faster than people think. And, you know, what's crazy is a year ago, like you said, it was such a mania. We saw oil prices at one point fall, you know, $50 below zero. It was, And people were saying, you know what? 
we're never going to see demand get up to where it was. I mean, this this is it. Everybody's going to work from home from now on, even after the pandemic. We're all going to be driving electric cars. Well, here we are a year later, and all of a sudden, those predictions look crazy. Now it looks like we're going to see the world hit record demand, the U.S. hit record demand, but the investment is not going to be there, which is going to tighten supplies even more. Bill Flynn, Senior Market Analyst with The Price Group and Fox Business News contributor based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Coming up next, why you may want to use your airline miles sooner rather than later. Cashing in with conversation. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. People with airline points in the bank may want to think about uh, making a withdrawal in the near future. Joining us now in the McGrath-Lexus business line to explain why is Ted Rossman, industry analyst, creditcards.com, based in New York. Ted, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Uh, Like millions of Americans, I, too, have an airline credit card, and we haven't gone anywhere in the last year. And looking at the statement recently, I thought, man, we have enough miles to go from uh, Chicago to Neptune um, how quickly do you have to uh, cash those uh, miles in uh, before they start to, uh, to, to, to reduce or fall in value? We don't need to worry so much about expiration. We do need to worry about losing value. And that's something that I think is going to accelerate here. Thankfully, things are reopening. People are traveling again. But this is going to be licensed for airlines and hotels to devalue their points and miles. The number one way they do this is basically just requiring more miles or more points to get that free hotel or that free flight than it used to take. So that's something we're already seeing. Southwest recently devalued their miles by about 6%. So again, meaning it's going to take more miles to get that same flight. Uh, Marriott did this before the pandemic. They moved 22% of their properties into higher tiers. They only downgraded 7%. It's something that happens a lot. I think it's going to happen more, though, because these travel companies want paying customers. And as you pointed out, there's a glut of points and miles in the system. People stock them up. They earned more through credit card spending. So it's a good time to use them when you can. And then uh, where, can the val- where, where can the deals be found as far as miles are concerned? Uh, is, it, is it on international flights or can you find some uh, domestic deals too? It's some of both. It can be a little complicated. So that's another reason why some people just prefer cash back. They want to keep it simple. But on the subject of airline points and miles and, and hotels too, for that matter, generally speaking, the best value is going to be internationally, especially on flights. International first class is usually the way to get the most cents per point or mile. You know, you might be able to get an $8,000 airline ticket for 100,000 points. So that's like eight cents per mile. That's really good. A, a standard baseline is more like one or two. Uh, international travel is bouncing back slower than domestic travel. So I do think that there's probably a longer window of deals there. So if you're comfortable maybe booking something out for later this year or early next year, that might be a good option for you. And um, a lot of times they've made these change policies more flexible too. So just make sure you're covered there. It's usually easy to get your miles back if you do need to cancel. 
Ted Rossman, industry analyst, creditcards.com, based in New York. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Still ahead, the head of Amazon grabbing a ride in his company's commercial flight to space. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. This is Nancy Hardy. Starting today, police have another option to go after cars and motorcycles illegally street racing in Chicago. The Supreme Court issues a ruling impacting illegal immigrants living in the United States. Amazon founder Jeff Bezos going to be a space tourist at its Stock Picker Monday. We've got a couple of suggestions from an investing pro. WBBM Business, the markets are mixed. The Dow is down 137 points. The Nasdaq up 24. The S&P 500 is down 10. AccuWeather says clouds, breaks of sunshine, humid today. A stray shower possible through the early afternoon. Could see a thunderstorm later on. A high today, a rather muggy 80. It's 75 degrees at O'Hare, 76 at Midway, 76 at the lakefront at 1231. Topic or news of the half hour. A new ordinance that takes effect in Chicago today is designed to muffle the sound of summer. Drivers caught drifting or spinning out, covering up or not even having license plates, and riding motorcycles and cars that aren't street legal in Chicago could have their vehicles impounded. 42nd Ward Alderman Brendan Riley calls the ordinance passed last month another tool in the toolbox for Chicago police to address this frustrating issue. Prior attempts to curb the problem include installing speed humps, police department cameras, raising fines for drag racing, and setting up zones that ban cruising along portions of Lower Wacker Drive. Nancy Hardy, News Radio 105.9 FM. The Supreme Court has ruled that thousands of immigrants living in the U.S. for humanitarian reasons cannot apply to become permanent residents. A unanimous high court says federal immigration law bans people who entered the country illegally and now have what's called temporary protected status from seeking green cards. The case hinged on whether those people were actually admitted to the U.S. under immigration law. Justice Elena Kagan says they were not. Writing for the court in a case that pitted the Biden administration, against immigrant groups who argued many of the people in question have lived in the U.S. for years and put down roots. The House has passed a bill making it possible for TPS recipients to become permanent residents, but the Senate prospects are unclear. Sagar Magani, Washington. It's 12.32. The Noon Business Hour continues, presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. Markets are mixed to start the week. We're joined by Vahan Janjigian, Chief Investment Officer at Greenwich Wealth Management in Greenwich, Connecticut. Vahan, thanks for joining us once again on the Noon Business Hour. Where, where are the financial markets uh, to start the week? Are all eyes on the uh, Consumer Price Index report later this week? Um, yeah, I think, there are, I think that's certainly uh, part of it. But I also think that um, you know, we're seeing this continuation of this uh, rotation that everybody's been talking about. Um, out of the larger cap uh, growth kinds of stocks and more into the smaller cap uh, value kinds of stocks. And uh, today, for example, we're seeing weakness in all of the three major indexes, yet the Russell 2000 is doing quite well. Um, We've gone through a period of time where um, growth stocks have done extremely well, while value stocks have not. But if you look at the history of investing over long periods of time, Um, typically value stocks outperform growth stocks for long-term investors. Um, The last 10 years or so has been an aberration. So I think we're starting to go back to what's considered normal. Um, And uh, whatever the economic reports are in the near future, uh, one of the things that we know is that the Fed is likely to start increasing interest rates um, somewhere down the road as the economy improves. And uh, that favors value over growth uh, right there. 
And then it's another week of uh, people talking about the meme stocks, GameStop, <laughs> GameStop, AMC, BlackBerry, uh, all uh, up in a big way thanks to uh, some users on Reddit. What is your take on this whole practice? Is this a uh, a fad or is this something that is going to continue uh, that you just have uh, individual investors uh, uh, powered by the Internet and social media uh, just swarming on a stock and uh, causing its price to go up? Yeah, I mean, I mean, clearly uh, these stocks are not moving based on fundamentals. Um, they're they're moving more on sentiment, and this has become more of a form of uh, of gambling rather than investing. Um, however, if, if there are large numbers of people uh, fueled by the internet um, who are jumping into certain stocks, they can certainly drive them higher. So, I would say it would be uh, very dangerous for um, long-term investors to play around with these stocks. Um, but I think in the short term, they could do anything. I mean, we could see them increase, you know, 50, 60, 70 percent in one day as, as they have. And the very next day, they could tumble by 50 percent. So um, this is not <laughs> this is not something investors should seriously consider. Um, but I know that younger people who are paying a lot of attention to uh, Reddit and perhaps don't have uh, the years of experience in investing, uh, they're piling into these things and um their power and their numbers could certainly drive these stocks uh, in any direction, uh, either much higher or lower. It does seem like a, 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 a story out of the tale of the monkey's paw, where people are always asking, I wish younger people would be more financially literate and into investing in the stock market. And then the finger turns, and here you go with the meme stocks and kids on Reddit uh, you know, driving up the price of AMC by 300%. Yeah, but, you know, let me point out, this kind of stuff has happened in the past. Um, you know, decades ago, we would see this kind of behavior in certain stocks. That The big difference is that um, it wasn't fueled through the Internet. These days, it's very easy for people to, to post things and get thousands of people to observe their posts and perhaps even act on their posts. Uh, in the past, it was much harder to do something like that. So I don't think we should be surprised that we see these kinds of violent moves in certain stocks. Um, but again, I would I would warn long-term investors that this this is not something you want to get into. In the long term, uh, you're much better off investing based on the fundamentals. Thanks for joining us, Vahan Janjigi, and Chief Investment Officer at Greenwich Wealth Management, based in Greenwich, Connecticut. Coming up next, a tech industry heavyweight is heading to space. Compounding your interest with an economy of words. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Amazon founder Jeff Bezos will be on the first passenger flight of his space company Blue Origin next month. Joining us now in the McGrath-Lexus business line is Paul Hockman, president of Humongous Media, former tech editor for the Today Show based in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Paul, thanks for joining us this afternoon. A lot of people like to commemorate the uh, anniversary of the first uh, moon landing, July 20th, by uh, maybe watching uh, Walter Cronkite tear up on YouTube. But uh, Jeff Bezos is going to one-up everyone. That's right. Well, or 340,000 up everyone. He's going to go up about 340,000 feet, uh, which is more than about 100 kilometers uh, on a test flight. Make no mistake, it's not sort of, it's a, not a flight for the public per se, um, but it will be uh, on July 20th, which is, as you said, the 52nd anniversary of the Apollo 11 moon landing. So what's really exciting is that he's going to go with his brother, Mark Bezos, 
and uh, and one other person who's bidding for a seat. And right now the bidding is close to it's two point eight million dollars as of this morning, uh, but there's no doubt it'll go up higher uh, as July twentieth approaches. Now this this is all part of his space tourist system called New Shepard, which is a rocket that carries a capsule to the edge of space. It's a suborbital flight, just like Alan Shepard all those years ago. Um, is is this the play for him to start a space tourist system? I mean, does, does, is his ultimate goal to do uh, the love boat for the uh, Fortune billionaires <laughs> list, or is he auditioning for the for NASA? I like your concept. They probably should have called it the love boat, but and maybe it will <laughs> sell more tickets. However, um, I think it's if you're to look at Amazon's DNA for a second, and I've been you know, sort of closely studying those guys for a long time. Uh, I'm not the first person to say this, but every business effort they push forward, whether it's related directly to Amazon or not, Jeff Bezos is interested in what other businesses like NASA in, in many ways, ironically, what other businesses can spin off from this effort. So I have no doubt that yes, there will be a tourism revenue play for sure. But I guarantee you, um, you know, look, if there's a, a person like Jeff Bezos who wants to put a whole bunch of satellites in orbit to create worldwide Wi-Fi, well, a lot of the research they're doing in this particular project is going to bear fruit in ways that you probably, that probably have nothing to do with tourism and everything to do with the rest of Amazon. So that's, that'd be my guess. Again, hard to no, know, but I, I can't imagine it won't be uh, spun off into lots of other things too. Now, publicly traded companies, you know, they send their, their CEO and their executives, they have to get regular physicals, they have to be in good physical shape because you make decisions based on the health of the decision makers. Uh, Jeff Bezos is going into space. Richard Branson of uh, Virgin also wants to go into space. Uh, there are some publicly traded company issues here if you send your CEO on a very risky endeavor like spaceflight. Well, first of all, I, I would suggest that Elon Musk is already in space. Um, so maybe that's he's one of them. Yes, he was um, the guy. But, um, he was the guy in the in the Roadster that is uh... <laughs> exactly exactly. But I will say this: that first of all, it's not a complete coincidence that Jeff Bezos is resigning his role as CEO soon before this launch. In other words, that for publicly traded companies, there are you know the CEO is obviously an, there, there are insurance policies, in fact, that are specifically designed to protect the company if they a prime. Uh, employee, in this case, this is a great example, um, you know, is hurt or, or worse. And in this case, he will not be one of those employees per se. He will have resigned his post. So it will be sort of moot in this case, but it's certainly the case that he influences a lot of what Amazon does. And I guarantee you that his safety is paramount among investors. Well, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Paul Hockman, president of Humongous Media, former tech editor for the Today Show based in Cambridge, Massachusetts. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Stock Picker Monday, and joining us this afternoon is the very first stock picker in the history of the WBBM Noon Business Hour. He is Pat Morrow, president of Patrick Morrow Investment Advisors in Oakbrook, Illinois. Pat, welcome back to the program, and uh, you are a veteran at your task. And uh, what are your uh, what are your picks for the week? Well, uh, thank you for your uh, kind remarks. Uh, the first one is Abbott Labs of uh, North Chicago. Uh, they're known for diagnostic products and medical devices and pharmaceutical products, and uh, that is a about a $40 billion business. What happened here on uh, Abbott, about uh, on June 1st, the company uh, said that their earnings would probably be um, down lower than expected by 12% due to the um, dramatic drop in COVID-19 testing. 
as you know, Abbott was a major, uh, is a major testing uh, device for uh, COVID. I thought this was not a surprise, but the stock plunged, and I think that prevent, uh, produces a buying opportunity in the shares. And the, uh, the, the ticker symbol is ABT. The next one uh, also in the healthcare space. Right. CVS Health Corp, which is about twice the size of Abbott, and Abbott's big, um, it's out of Rhode Island. They have, obviously, about 10,000 drugstores, pharmacies throughout the country. They also have what's known as a pharmacy service, uh, benefit service company, which is uh, basically a wholesaler between uh, all kinds of customers, the drug companies primarily, and then everybody else who uses those drugs. About 6 billion prescriptions are issued a year in the United States, and uh, CVS is responsible or handles about 2 billion of those 6 billion. Uh, they also have um, Aetna Insurance, which is a huge insurance company and handles all kinds of insurance plans, Medicaid included, and uh, it's a major part of their business. What they're doing, though, I just the the, they, they have something called a health hub. So they in the drugstore, the pharmacy, you'll see nurse practitioners, dietary advisors, and, of course, the whole drug staff that they have. And it, as it turns out, and I just found this out literally today, about 50% of the customers that use uh, CVS, they don't have doctors. And so this service is uh, almost like a an emergency replacement for a for a physician if you don't if you don't have a physician. And the ticker symbol for uh, CVS Health Corp, which is uh, shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone, it is CVS. Pat Pat Morrow, President Patrick Morrow Investment Advisors, based in Oakbrook. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. His two stocks of the week: uh, Abbott Laboratories (ABT) and CVS Health Corp. (CVS). You'll find past programs and later today a podcast of this hour at WBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.